Quick word of prayer. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, I stand here by your grace, not by any merits, Lord, to share your word. I thank you for this privilege. Help me to communicate your word, Lord, clearly, and all that you have laid in my heart to to express them, Lord, Father. Clearly and boldly, Lord. And bless the people, Lord, Father, here. And cause something good out of it, Lord, Father. Make a change, make a stir. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. We are... We are... On Romans chapter 8. Paul wrote this chapter on eternal security, complete chapter, and it is known as the the top doctrinal Christian truth. It talks about salvation, mostly, and eternal security. Salvation is a compounded word. It has three distinct divine actions. Justification, which means you're saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, you're saved from the presence and the nature of sin. Glorification, you're saved from the presence of sin. It is a progressive and momentous action propelled by the Holy Spirit. A salvation start start at justification, ends with glorification. And the journey in between is sanctification. So when we get saved, we are justified by the blood of Christ, and then we glorified in the end. In between the journey is sanctification. That means the life that we are going through. When we come to glorification, you would have flown away. Our salvation, um, okay. And, and this journey essentially ordained by God as part of our salvation in order, order for us to conform in the likeness of his son. And the straight and narrow journey has to be lived moment by moment. What is sanctification? It's simply obeying Jesus Christ through the Word and the Spirit is sanctification. I'd like to present to you a scenario. Imagine you are in a prison cell for a crime that you committed. And while you're there, God appears to you and he tells you, Son, I have forgiven your, forgiven your sins, forgiven your wrong, and I paid the price, and you are free, free of any guilt. You are free to leave. And also, he tells you, by the way, um, 
I have given you access to a beautiful paradise. You can live there as long as you want, forever. And I've made way for a free ticket for you. Um, and you can fly on a private jet. By the way, I also have uh, arranged a, um, a pilot who is the uh, commander-in-chief and a guide. And you also have provisions provided for you, an unlimited supply of resources, a bank account, you cannot exhaust it. Uh, but there are two conditions. Uh, it is non-transferable. And I want you to tell everybody, whomever you meet, what I've done for you. You now have three options to pursue this course. Option one being, having accepted the offer of freedom, somehow you dress up in your nice clothes and you still choose to sit in the prison and say, God has done all of it. Why should I even bother to get out and go? He will take me there. Let him do the rest. And the second option being, having accepted the offer, you want to be in control of the whole journey. And if you say to God, okay, I accept the offer, I dress up, I'm going to go on the journey, I'm going to find my own flight, and I'm going to find all my resources to get there. But remember, God hasn't given you the, the coordinates, the GPS coordinates. There's only one coordinate. It's unusual. Uh, so you don't know the destination, where it is. You don't know how it looks. You don't know anybody there. You have no contacts or connections there. Option three being, having accepted the uh, offer, you're willing to trust and follow all the instructions of the pilot wholeheartedly. Remember, pilot being the commander-in-chief and the guide thereof. Till the end of your journey, and which option would you pursue if you were given three options? And which option do you think it'll take you to the destination where God wants you to be? He's waiting there for you. I want you to ponder over it a little bit. And which option do you think? Don't you think you will cho choose option three? How many of you would think you will take option three? Only three people. What about the others? Okay, more? More? You're in the house of God already. You're already there. Anyway, I think we all would say you would choose option number three because he has given you the option, he, was, he has devised the plan, and he has given you everything. It's for you to enjoy it and just follow the Enjoy the journey, sit back and enjoy the journey and follow the instructions and obey. God is so, uh, God's sovereignty, God is uh, God's sovereignty 
and Vanceville is not a match he would like to play. He is sovereign over all, otherwise he cannot be God. Also we know the one who played that game and lost on every side is still in a losing battle. God is both sealer and sanctifier. He holds, holds you, he holds on to your eternal, eternally with sovereign hand, with powerful, uh, let me say that again. He holds on to you eternally with his sovereign hands, with, by his power. Your responsibility is only to trust and obey his word and spirit. This is essentially a partnership between you and God, which makes the journey all the, may, all the way more enjoyable and effective. If we try to do it in our own way, we will utterly fail, for it cannot be achieved through methods, systems, programs, strategies, of human mind. It is an organic process which God has designed, planned, and purposed before the foundation of the earth, according to his great, uh, uh, according to his sovereign will. Therefore, can you lose your salvation? If you can, it would mean that you would, have, you would have gained power to overturn what God has planned from the eternity past. Or, God did not see it coming. Or, God has sloppy hands, therefore he managed to drop you through his fingers. Or, God didn't mind to lose some from what he has saved. We know all of the options are not true. There's a way that, there's no way God, can, uh, God could lose you in this journey because you are held by two most powerful pe people, persons I say in the universe. We read it in John 17, 9, uh, 6 and verse 10, 6 to uh, verse 6 to verse 10. If you see, it is like two parents throwing their baby in between two, both of them, yeah? That's the picture you need to see. They are kissing their baby, and that's what Jesus is doing, God and the Father, Jesus and God doing, God the Father and God the Son doing now. Having saved us, he holds us so dearly. Moreover, you are equipped with enough resources along with support networks for your guaranteed journey. God has gone to incredible lengths to rescue you, even to the point of sacrificing his own son. He's the Alpha and Omega, Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end of all things, has gone to great extent to save you from death, decay, and hell. He has done this with un, 
unwavering determination. I want to present to you some actions. I hope you recognize these as actions of sanctification. If I tell you, you speak and think well of others, you speak the truth, you refuse to accommodate moral thoughts in your heart and mind, or to act upon them. You choose to act justly in a given situation. You pray, read, and meditate the word of God. You commit yourself self, to contribute to the life of his church. You repent of your sins. You keep short accounts. You think of others higher than you, yourself. You show love and kindness to others. You are patient with others. And you obey the word of God and his voice. Do you recognize them as acts of sanctification? Because these are, they are, because these are actions because these actions are only possible when you actively obey the sovereign grace of God moment by moment living then the word and the spirit of God begin to cause the transformational work works in your heart and mind to bring transformations in thoughts thought patterns actions behaviors character and ultimately a lifestyle that is pleasing to God. So that Christ can present to you as an acceptable offering through his priestly ministry to God. This is the purpose of Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we saw in Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 14 to 19, how God employs Paul to do the same thing. Paul received grace, therefore he is already prepared to action to pray for the Gentiles and present the gospel and teach the gospel to the Gentiles for their salvation. And when they are sanctified, that means when they, when they are saved, they, they get, the Gentiles get saved because of the grace of God. And you see, the grace that Paul received is the same grace that works in other people's life to get saved. It is pure grace of work. Paul had nothing to brag about it, and Paul says it. He says, I have nothing to do with it, I have no part in it, except to obey what God has asked me to do. So it's a truly a work of grace. So since your obedience to sovereign grace of God will stir the word and the spirit into action to bring salt and light through you, if your obedience to sovereign grace be more consistent, then there will be a consistent and continual salt and light around you. Can you imagine how much more salt and light we can add together for God in this dark and corrupt world as a body? Individually, you can produce it, light. Like, yes, every time you're sanctified, 
acts of righteousness, acts, actions of sancti uh, sanctified life, but together. So do not underestimate how much light one candle can produce. So, therefore, how much brightness it will be there if there are 50 candles, there are 500 candles, or 5,000. Or for that matter, how much flavor we could add, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So let me ask a question. So are we shining the light and adding flavor to make a difference wherever God places in? But we must fully understand that the enemy falls around like a hungry lion to devour. Do you know the Satan's ultimate priority is to hinder what God has achieved for us from day one. He just wanted to undo it. He just wanted to take you away. He just wanted to insult Jesus. He wanted to dishonor Jesus through taking us away. But he fails badly as he is not a match for God. Why? He knows his time is short and he has already been defeated by Christ on the cross. Beyond all of this, he knows he is absolutely outnumbered, at least two to one. It's a bit like a football game. How do I know that? From the book of Ezekiel, when God pushed him down, he took third of the heavens, angels. So there are still two thirds, not counting all the saints who have gone before us, and all of us here, and this generation, and this era, and the one to come is absolutely has no, no way. And you wonder why God pushed him down because of his preeminence. He wanted to be, take the place of God or equal himself the place of God, uh, God. Equal himself with God. God is a supreme being. There is no one beyond him. No one equal to him. We know that from the Bible. And for this reason, there's no, he, he, he devised a plan for, for us to be saved, our salvation. He sends his own son, but there is no plan for the devil. You wonder why? Because it's the, the degree of sin. However, at times, we struggle to follow the straight and narrow journey of sanctification and go off the track and fail and fail because we are sometimes complacent, too tired. Therefore, we cut corners, underestimate what God has done for us to stand. We doubt his power and his promises. We don't spend enough time with God praying and meditating and reading his word consistently. We choose to function 
through the old nature. Speaking of old nature, Paul knew what to do to him. Galatians 5, uh, 2.20 He nailed him every morning as a picture for us. He nailed him and nailed him and nailed him. Paul says, I keep him down always. I keep that old guy down, the old Adam, until he is absolutely nailed to the cross. So does it, mean, uh, does it mean we can sin because of we have weaknesses? God knows our weakness. Therefore we can sin? Certainly not. Because we are no longer slaves to sin, but slaves to righteousness of God by grace. Now the life we live, we live to please him. Who has saved us from death, decay and hell. Remember, through adoption, you have received the right to become sons of God. You are a direct creation of God when you became a, a believer. You are not son of David. You are not son of Joseph. You are not son of Smith. You are a direct creation. In the Old Testament, the direct creations are, creation, uh, creation will be Adam and of his angels. So not only has directly created you, he also has given you a new um, identity. So if you are son and he is your father, he has the right to um, correct you, discipline you, in order to teach us obedience even as Jesus had to learn obedience through suffering. Although he was without sin, he did so for our sakes. This is the model God has left for us to learn obedience. So if you're, since you're a son, if you sin, if you walk away from the, the, the journey, you will not lose your sonship you may lose your inheritance. You may mess up your inheritance. How do I know that? In the prodigal sons, remember, second son, he took the inheritance, went and blew it all off. Empty-handed, came back. What did the father do? He received him. He gave him a signet ring again. A sign of authority. He's still the son. He cannot blow it. You're eternally secured. Besides, and, and time and time and again, our, go, uh, our good shepherds will come after us if you go off the track. And they will use this staff of correction to guide us back on track. Although uh, staff, of, staff of correction may come in many forms, subject to his understanding of the situation that we are in. Since we are separated from the power of sin, even from the nature of sin, when we repent of our sins, he forgives us and sanctifies us. 
on the basis of our sins have been eternally and totally wiped out by the Father through Christ dying on the cross. You are sealed. You are sealed as not guilty. You are labeled. Oh, you put a seal on your forehead. You are not guilty forever since you are accepted Christ. Therefore, the life you live now is a gratitude to him who gave us all. If we stand, we stand by grace, which we had gained by faith in Christ. We not only rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but also in our sufferings. For suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Therefore, all things God works for those. Let me say it again. All things God works for the good of those who love Him. God has not only determined to save us from the eternity past, but also has prearranged and equipped us with resources in order for us to complete the straight and narrow journey of sanctification. I'd like to list some of the resources God has arranged uh, for us and equipped us with, just in case you've, you've forgotten. Intercession by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit inter intercedes for us. Intercession of, the Christ, of Christ. Intercession of others, fellow believers, leaders, etc. Adoption as sons. All spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Seal with the Holy Spirit. Word of God. The Word of God. Seated in the heavenly places with the ascended Christ. That's a big one. You are already in hyperdimension. But we are restricted by four dimensions here. Still we are on earth. Joint air with Christ. Regenerated and given a new nature and identity. Phonon, predestined, called, and purposed, justified, sanctified, glorified. We underestimate God's love and length and breadth that He has gone to save us. You are supremely positioned. You are supremely positioned to accomplish everything what the Father has preordained, both in heaven and on earth. There's no way you can lose your salvation from the scriptures we read, from what you have seen. Therefore, God who justified, who is, who is he condemns? God is both sealer and sanctifier all things God works for the good of those who love him. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. We are more than conquerors. Amen. Amen. And having heard the little message, 
I'd like to offer you an opportunity, if you think, if you accepted the last option on that journey scenario, what that means is you're going to work along with God on the road of sanctification that has marked for you. You will have different experiences. You all have different walks of life. But the journey is the same for everybody. Rules are same. Support lines are same. Same commander-in-chief. Same guide. Same destination. Except we obey, trust and obey. That's the requirement. If you think that, I'd like to offer you to uh, lead you in a prayer. And if you think that you'd like to experience more, you want to take a step of faith, you want to go experience extra with God, yes, Lord, I want to uh, take a step of faith to uh, look into it a bit more, a bit more proactive to be sanctified. Um, I'd like you to stand or put your hand up at least and I'll pray now. Or you can stand, be counted because it's the house of God. There's nothing to be ashamed. We're all in the same thing, same journey. There's no superhero here, no superstars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Is there any more? Thank you. Thank you. Or if there's anybody here for the first time, you want Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you can also stand up. But make sure you let someone know here, somebody like Brother Olesheen or Sister uh, Christine or myself in the absence of Pastor Rod and Sister Karen of your decision so we can help you and support you to make your journey possible. Yeah. Anyone else before I pray? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your eternal security. Nothing can separate us, Lord. We are more than conquerors. Nobody can condemn us, Lord Father. Condemns us, Lord Father. We are eternally secure, eternally saved forever. We cannot undo it, Lord Father. Know the angels, know the heights, know the depths, know any dangers, no sufferings, nothing at all, Lord Father, cannot separate us from you. You have gone to incredible, incredible lengths, incredible details, having considered all the options, Lord Father, all the opportunities, all the uh, eventualities, Lord Father, to design and plan and purpose the salvation for us, Lord. I pray for, thank you, Lord Father, for the people who are standing here, Lord. Thank you for their lives. And thank you for everyone who are seated as well, Lord Father. I know some of them, even though they are not standing, sitting, even though they are sitting, they are standing inside. They yearn for you. I pray for my brothers and sisters here, Lord Father. You know their heart cries, Lord Father. You know their, their needs. You know their desires, where they want to break through, where they want growth, where they are expecting more growth and more freedom, more liberty, Lord Father, in the spirit and more of your knowledge and more of knowing you, Lord Father. I pray, Lord Father, grant them, Lord Father, today. Let, be, let this be a day, Lord Father, a new leaf of faith in their life, a new beginning, a new commitment, Lord Father, 
to this journey, Lord Father, journey of sanctification, Lord Father, that you will remind them every day, Lord Father, through the Holy Spirit, and they will obey, Lord Father, every day. And for me as well, Lord Father, the same things. I pray, Lord Father, let there be a change, let there be a stir, let there be an uprise within them, Lord Father, in the Spirit. Let there be a boldness, Lord Father, amongst them. Let there be an, a great anointing, Lord Father, these people, my brothers and sisters, rest upon them. Start a new beginning, Lord Father. Break the chains, Lord Father, if they are held back by anything, Lord Father. If anything holding them back, Lord Father, break those, Lord Father. Break those oppositions, Lord Father. Break the schemes of enemies, Lord Father, I pray. Because nothing shall overcome them, Lord Father. They are more than conquerors in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.